Welcome back to the Unexpected Fuckery of 40. I'm your host, Nikita, and I hope you guys are having a great week. I certainly am having a pretty good week. I just packed up my son and shipped him off to my parents, and I am about to enjoy my Labor Day weekend. It's the official last week of the summer, and I'm really hoping to get into some fuckery myself. <laughs> I don't know what that will entail, but I have a brand new white dress and some brand new white sandals, and I'm trying to step out in these streets looking like snow and show off some of these assets, okay? Um, I think this is just like an extension of my cabin fever because I am just so ready to get out and just travel somewhere and just get out of the house. Um, but even with COVID, like I just want to go sit on somebody's patio or somebody's rooftop bar with somebody's son. And I'm trying to make that happen for sure. So today I have a great episode for you guys. I have been so excited about this episode. As you know, my podcast is still growing. And the fact that he came and took the time to speak with me, I felt really honored. I am talking with the influential Nate Fluellen. And I have to tell you, before I even give you his bio, I am just very impressed by this man and in awe of all the things he has accomplished. Like I am smiling through my mic right now. <laughs> he is a true testament of how magical we are as black people and gives us a blueprint on how adventurous and thrilling life can be and really should be. Nate Fluellen is the creator, executive producer, and host of Worldwide Nate, African Adventures. The reality travel show follows the Chicago native who is a thrill seeker with a magnetic personality and penchant for pushing himself outside of his comfort zone. Nathan has visited 60 countries and six continents. This man hikes the Democratic Republic of Congo Mountains to the world's largest lava lake, repels alongside a 600-foot-tall waterfall, and treks through the jungle alongside silverback gorillas and more. Y'all have got to check out his show. It can now be watched on UMC and also Amazon Prime. Nate is a graduate of Tennessee State University, TSU, and Nathan also just launched the first Black-owned surf performance swimwear line, Kavada Swimwear. So let's make sure we go out and support the brand and show him some HBCU love. He also has a podcast, Escape with Nate, which is an international travel show that brings travel influencers and celebrities who travel into homes across the country to share their past travels and to talk about why connecting with people around the world has provided greater perspective during these challenging times. Nate is also the brand ambassador for Brightling Watches, and his adventures have been sponsored by TheGrill.com, The Marriott, Time, Fortune, Travel and Leisure, Ford and Lincoln Motors, Essence, Ebony, and Men's Fitness. Need I say more? He is a three-time winner of LA Web Fest's Most Outstanding Series and Series Host. Oh, and let me add, Essence Magazine named him in their Sexy Men Who Travel issue. And ladies, let me tell you, the man is fine and he has an amazing magnetic smile. And I think I probably smiled during the entire interview like a damn fool, but <laughs> I got through it, uh, blushing and all. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. So, yeah, how's your week been? Man, it's been a high of high and a low of low. 
It has. I agree. It's been tough. I mean, heavy, I would say, starting with Jacob Blake and, you know, the shooting of another unarmed black man. And then last night, Chad with Bozeman, that that threw me like that. That hit me hard. For sure. It sat me in my seat. Like I was, I was crushed because I had just got done surfing. So my boy, he has an organization called Color the Water, where it's um, giving free lessons to get more people of color, especially black people, access to the water to surf. And um, we had, um, I'm here right now. So he has a, he had rented an Airbnb in Santa Monica and he's moving out on September 1st. So we had like, um, we got a cookout last week. So like, so everybody can meet. And then we had one yesterday as the farewell. So we had went and did a sunset surf so it was just like a whole bunch of black people and some other ethnicities, you know, minority people in the water. Great. So I'm taking off my clothes and I look at the notification on my phone and I'm like, yeah. nah. Yeah. It was shocking. And I, yeah. And I was at, um, I had met him last year at the Vanity Fair after party. And, you know, I, I graduated from Tennessee State. So I was just like, you know, just give him his roses while he could smell them. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, dang. So, you know, I actually met him. So it's like, you know, just the experience of watching him on screen right. and then meeting him and, you know, just feeling his energy. And then now it's gone. Now he's gone or transition. I wouldn't say gone, but transition. So it's just like, I'm like, dang. Yeah. And I was talking to my friend. And I think about like the little kids who just like, you know, it's like, dang, Black Panther died. Yeah, yeah, it was it was so like he was just so impactful. All the little black the, kids, little black boys. Yeah, he was so impactful for the black community. I mean, the acting, the kids looking up to him, just you know, T'Challa. It's just sad. It, it that that hurt. That really did. Yeah, so um, we here to talk about your fantastic life, and I mean. <laughs> I'm just like, how, how, how is he doing this? Like for all the listeners out there, I want you to go to his IG page, Worldwide Nate, and take a look at his page while we're, we're talking so you can get a feel for who this man is. So how did you even get started like traveling for a living? Like how, how did you even fall into this? So it, it goes, it's, it's, uh, it's different, different um, chapters. So this is, I'll go back to my childhood. My mother, she would go on missionary trips with the church. And um, like when I was like a teenager, like 15 years old, and she would go, she's been halfway around the world. She would go to Brazil, Egypt, South Africa. You know, I was at home, not throwing house parties. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she was, so she was, out, <laughs> so she was out there traveling the world. And, and then so also I had cousins that play ball. And um, then I had my uncle who would tell stories of him playing ball in, in, in uh, France. And then I had a cousin who would go spend the summers in her college years with her friends in Greece. And so I was all, it was, so those were the, like the, the seeds. That was the planting stage of, of life where all these seeds were planted of, of like international travel was a thing. And it, it wasn't like, it, I never thought of it as a thing that black people couldn't do. I just always put in this bucket of that's what adults do. Mm-hmm. So then that was chapter one. So chapter two is that I, at Tennessee State University, where I graduated from, my economics, my international economics professor, Dr. Galen Hall, he wrote an autobiography that documented his travels to over 80 countries. And he gave me the book, he signed it. He said, I challenge you to be a, to see more, to be a world traveler 
see more countries than me and be an entrepreneur. And so when he said it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this ain't nothing. My family been doing this. And, and I'm like, I'm an adult now. So that challenge was just like the water for those seeds that were planted for my family members growing up. And then I just started traveling the world and I'm um, doing trips. So what I would do is I would travel. This is when, when MySpace was popping. And then I would just document from sunrise to sunset what I did and people would read it. And I'm like, oh snap, y'all like this? And uh -huh. then they were like, yeah. So I was getting the feedback from my peers because at that time, everybody was just trying to get to Miami, Vegas, or, right. or Cali, you know, New York, you know, we was just all domestic. And then, then I, had, I kept blogging and I bought a camera. Then I started adding more pictures to the blogs and then more video. Then I bought a better camera and started creating these webisodes. And then uh, so I was producing these webisodes and then around, and my cousin, she was working at Ebony and she had introduced me to a digital director and I started contributing my webisodes to ebony.com. And that like, that was just like the trajectory right there. How did the TV worldwide Nate African adventure? So from, from people um, watching your webisodes and then you said your cousin submitted some of your episodes. Yeah. So so, so, so for years, I was just doing webisodes because in my mind, I always want to have a TV show, but mm -hmm. I always, but I was thinking that, you know, I gotta, I gotta stay ready. So I was just like, I'm gonna make these webisodes as, t as TV quality as possible. So when the opportunity comes, you know, I'll be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was living in LA at the time where I, where I live now. And uh, my trainer, he would do these run clubs. This guy named Bam, he would have these run clubs. And then after the run club, I met this guy named Martin who worked for the Africa channel. And then afterwards, we were just standing at the light and I was just telling him about Worldwide Nate. And he was like, hey, we always looking for content. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, I'm ready for the TV show. I was like, what's up? Okay. And he was like, you know, follow up with me. And we went through the process. It took like a year. Um, him, me and my, my production partner, Nichelle Protho, and we pitched the show to the Africa channel and they bought it. And then, and it, what to my point, they had went straight to season because they saw the quality of my webisodes, and so they knew that I could produce TV show quality. So they didn't, they didn't go the route of let's create a pilot, see how that performs, and then do the season. They just went and, and bought the whole season. Okay, that's amazing. I, I mean, I, I love it. That's that's amazing. So, you were you going to Africa before the show, or the, because of the show, you went to Africa? No, I uh, I was I was actually uh, hosted by the South Africa Tourism Board, and okay. it was the most amazing twelve days of my life. I went to Johannesburg, I went to Kruger Park, and stayed in Singita, which is like one of the top uh, reserves, like lodges in in Africa, um, in the world, and then uh, Durban and Cape Town. So I got a chance to see South Africa, and so that was a critical piece of. Um, of my journey because with the Africa channel, the show had to be centered around the diaspora. So mm -hmm. I had made those relationships with, with Africa. And so I knew that I had a good foundation of where I could uh, utilize my resources to produce content in Africa. And I had cultivated relationships with different people across the continent and friends because of that trip. Okay. So uh, one of my, my good friends name, we call him uncle Dave is a guy named Dave. He uh, hosted, uh, hosted me and, um, with, with like three other uh, bloggers at the time. And yeah, that was, that was a critical point. That was like, so it's like, you know, it's like, you know, guy like set up these steps where, you know, I went to South Africa and I met Martin and I knew that I, I could 
create content on the continent. And uh, that's, that's how things transpired. And so we can watch your show on UMC, right? Yeah, it's multiple ways to watch it. You can watch it on UMC.TV, uh, Amazon Prime, Xfinity Stream, Spectrum On Demand. Uh, if you, if, whenever we can fly again, you can watch it on uh, Emirates Airlines on certain routes and South Africa Airways, South African Airways. Okay. All right. That's amazing, man. I, I'm proud of you, Black man. Like, <laughs> this is big, I think. I mean, I, I see a lot of other, um, you know, now the Instagram and social media and all that stuff. I, I see a lot of other black travelers, but um, I haven't seen too many with their own TV show. So is that a, a huge community or how many do you think African-Americans? Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. What, what black people, black people with TV shows is it's a handful. So there's my, my friend, my good friend, Kelly Edwards. She has Mysterious Islands on the Travel Channel. Um, Ernest. Uh, his uh, he has the, he's the fly brother. His show is on PBS. Then my uh, guy Phil Walkie, his show is on uh, it's on YouTube, but it's still a show. Um, and that's it. Wow, that's that is actually it. Yeah. So yeah, we, we as black people, and, and we all know each other. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So maybe you all can come together one time and and do you know all of you and travel somewhere. Have you done that or thought about that? No, nah, we haven't done a, a Black Power Rangers <laughs> show yet, but, you know, that could happen in the future. <laughs> so how do you immerse yourself in the culture? Like, I think you've traveled to like over 60 countries, right? Correct. 60 countries, over, over, six, over 60 countries and six continents. Uh, I immerse myself because I'm curious. I, I love people. I love differences. I love nuances. I, I'm, I'm, I have a curious mind. So I just enjoy just learning, like tapping into that culture and learning the truth because the media will mislead you. And that was also a purpose of my show was to show Africa, show the adventure, the food and the culture because all we get is war, poverty and famine. And even from a young age, when I watched Coming to America, I knew Zamunda didn't exist, but I knew that there was some reality of a Zamunda on the continent. So I was always curious, I always was inspired to find that truth. And so, you know, that's, that's what drives everything is just finding the truth and knowing authentically what is happening in those countries because the media will tell us, will, will, will give us false narratives and just being black in America, we know that with them just hijacking history and trying to, you know, hitting figures and really just trying to suppress any type of inspiration for us to prosper. So right. I feel like that for me, I had access and the privilege to travel or it's my passion. I want to be able to tell my people what's going on so they won't live in fear and be like, oh, what did, how do they feel about us? Or what do they eat? Or, you know, all these things. Because in the, in the States, we already have all these things thrown at us that keep us boxed in to these, these, these stereotypes that really, you know, don't exist. And right. so, you know, it's about me. And my, my goal is always to change the narrative of how Black men are viewed and create another positive image for Black youth to aspire to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are some of your favorite places to travel and why? Like out of all those 60 countries, what's, probably, well, what's your favorite? Well, Rio is my favorite city. My favorite country is South Africa. So I've okay. been to Rio uh, 11 times. I've been to, uh, well, I've, I've been to South Africa many times and filmed, you know, five episodes of my show. What was it, five? I think, yeah, I think it was five episodes we filmed in South Africa. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, dang. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and what, and what years did you film the show? We filmed in 2017, and then 2018, we uh, it, it, it launched. Okay. Do you like have a travel guide when you go to these places, or you because you've been, you know, multiple places, multiple times? Do you know people in the city, or have you ever gone somewhere where you haven't known anyone, and you how do you do that? Well, I live in the world. I just vacation in L.A., so everywhere at <laughs> home. <laughs> but, okay, that's what's up. <laughs> and L.A. But, is a great place to vacation, by the way. I love yeah, L.A. This is my vacation spot. I'm, I'm coming to you live from. But, um, but you know, it, it started, it was a growth. You know, I used to buy the Lonely Planet guidebooks, and then, um, then after going places in the Internet, I've uh, accumulated friends always. I, I have a lot of friends pretty much where I go. So it's exciting to go back to places. I get to see my friends again and then mm -hmm. actually like pull back the layers to, to branch out outside of the tourist spots. And then mm -hmm. going to new places is cool because it's, it's to stimulate my senses to, to have a new adventure. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm always like, oh, it's a new adventure. It's something new I haven't done. Let's do it. I, I'm right. very, I have an appetite for new experiences so i'm always pushing myself to try new things okay um what are some things that are must that are a must when you travel so like do you like to um you know do you do the backpacking type thing or stay at hostels or do you know you do like luxury hotels like what are some of the amenities that they have to have like it's, it's been a mix. I, you know, I, unfortunately, I, I've come to the, the point where I could do the five star, where I, you know, I stay at like, like the four or five star hotels. But if the opportunity comes to stay at a hostel, I'm not opposed to that because the beauty of the hostels is that you have a bunch of people that are like, you know, average age, like 18 to 23 that are trying to save money. And they're also like, they're just coming there to explore and they, they have, they're curious as well. So yeah. when I've, I've, I've obtained a lot of friends to stay in hostels where people, I'll meet people and they're like, oh, come to my country. And I'm like, what? Oh, I can come visit. I can stay for free. Okay, right. cool. Right. I'm coming. I'm gonna pull up. And so that's where I've um, accumulated a lot of friends and just learned the international uh, code of hospitality of, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated and just understand and knowing that uh, I'm gonna always meet some great people that are a great spirit that are just genuinely wanting to connect and, and want to learn about your culture. So I've um, I love hostels. I always um, suggest for people to stay there if if, if their budget is is that is that if that's what your, their budget calls for. If they just want to be more social, you know, mm -hmm. or you can break it up. You can stay at a hostel a couple of days and then you can you know do the five star. You know, it's no one way or the other. You know, it could it could be a mix. It's just really just about getting there and then experiencing that destination. Right. Gotcha. What do you think some of the best places for um, Blacks to travel? Like, and then the worst countries, you think, that you visited? Well, I, I will say go any and everywhere because just as much as um, the, the people around the world, they, they're waiting for us to come because okay. they only see us through, through screens. Mm. And our great America's greatest export is, is hip hop and, and black folks and black culture. And we, we drive the world. So for them to be able to, you know, meet you and be like, oh, you're American. It's like this. It's, it's like the black American Express card, like the black, the black, black card. You yeah. know? And, you know, for me, because my, you know, I feel like the energy that I, I, I exude. It's like when I go somewhere, I know that I'm going to receive like a, 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 um, a warm welcome. 
-hmm. and I'm going to receive the love, but I'm going to give it back because just as much as I'm curious to learn about them, interact with them, they, uh, they reciprocate that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I feel, you know, go, go any and everywhere, you know, I mean, there's obviously places that are like, like, uh, um, um, like Syria that are in turmoil, you know, I wouldn't suggest that that is your first destination, you know, safety first. But I feel like people ask me that question, but I feel like you should go where like your heart desires. If you're curious about a place, if you're inspired to visit there, if, even if it takes you longer to get there because you got to save up more money, then I always suggest for people to wait until they, um, they have the opportunity to go because then it'll be more fulfilling and then that will drive other trips. Yeah, and for them to keep continue to travel. Yeah, and going back to your point, I did an episode um, with my girlfriend. She just moved back from China, and she was just saying, you know, it's, it's like she's a celebrity. <laughs> and, yeah, and because they just stop and take pictures and everything. And she was like, you know, I welcomed it. You have to immerse yourself in that culture, and they've never seen a black person before, and so they're just amazed. It's nothing. It's not anything negative, you know, about it. So I, I definitely, Thailand is on my bucket list and I've heard it was super cheap. Everybody I know is going to Thailand or either Tulum right now. Like, what is the deal? <laughs> Have you seen this? Everybody on your timeline is in Tulum, right? Yeah, you know, it's just this uh, hippie type place. I've never been, I've just been to Playa del Carmen. Okay. But you know, it's, it's, it's not, ex it's inexpensive to visit. And, um, you know, it's one of the places that you can get to in the same day you know uh you know like from houston it's probably like a two-hour flight from la it's probably like three and a half so um it's, it's easy to get to and then uh once you land i think it's like an hour 45 minutes to an hour drive south of cancun and it's just it's just one of those places that has that indoor outdoor type vibe and mm -hmm. like very majestic and magical and hippie-ish and you know it's just very um one of those places where you go and just have an experience yeah I definitely, I want to get there. And I see people are going now. So they're letting us over there. I need to just get there by the end of the year. <laughs> what are some um, other places that are pretty inexpensive to travel to? Inexpensive? Well, I'll, I, I use this app called xe.com. And, um, you know, I'm always checking exchange rates. So currently, it may not be the, the healthiest place to go to, but Brazil, our money is five times there. So if you give, if you give, them, if you give them a dollar, they can give you five real. Or even like if, if if they came to the states with a real, we would give them eighteen cents right now. Oh wow! That's that's how uh, weak their their um, currency is. So going to Brazil right now is the lick. But they they got the the uh, Brazilian version of Trump as their president. So you know they they uh, they they're not paying attention to science. <laughs> so they having some COVID spikes. Okay. But uh, Brazil, uh, Brazil, which is like one of my top favorite city, Rio is my favorite city. You know, Brazil would be a good place. Um, a lot of people go to, like, find Costa Rica to be inexpensive. Um, Nicaragua is on the top of my list to go to when things open up, and that's inexpensive. Uh, you got places like like Bali. Our currency is strong there. Um, you know, it's a lot of places. With the exception of Europe, you know, the U.S. dollar is, is, is pretty strong. So, you know, you pretty much places you're going to go that um, – that aren't like a British territory or, you know, um, or, or like French, like a, like a European colonized country that's using their, their, their currency yeah. do pretty, pretty well. Yeah. I heard about it. got black men in Rio. <laughs> What's up What'd with you? Hear? 
Black men love Brazil, okay? So I'm not surprised that you said that. The beautiful women and, you know, all of I that. Mean, I mean, the, there's, there's beautiful sisters in the States, beautiful sisters in, in Brazil. So oh, that's absolutely. Why I tell you, they both went left, our boat went right. Right. We speak English, they speak Portuguese. Uh-huh. And then, like, the, the main difference is that with the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Portuguese, they allowed the slaves and everybody to mix. Where in the U.S. we were segregated. So you have like, you know, some Brazilians that could be our complexion, but then they had like maybe fine hair or, right. or it could be a girl that's like, look like, look like, like she white, but got a sister, got a body like a sister. Cause yeah. it's just been a mixing or some families, they can have a light skinned baby and a brown skinned baby just because of the gene pool has been so mixed up with Portuguese, Africans, and the indigenous Indians that were uh, there in the land. So it's just, um, it's just a mix, but, but yeah, they just, they just are cousins down there. That's all. Right. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so you have any funny uh, or scary travel stories? <laughs> well, I can laugh on it now. It's scary, <laughs> but it's, I can laugh about it now. So I was going back to Brazil. I went to visit a favela. Uh-huh. And this is when the drug dealers were running the favelas. And so I was with a guy. And then, um, so the guy was, was with me so he could show me where to film. Mm-hmm. So we was in this plaza area and I filmed like a real like five second pan down shot from the top of the building to the ground. And I filmed it. And then I was like, then I felt this bump behind me. And then I moved up. Then I felt another bump. Then I'm like, wait a minute. I turn around. There's two guys on a motorcycle. One got a machine gun. The other guy got a Glock. What? And I'm like, I'm talking to my guy, like, yo, what's going on? I thought we, this is good to film here. And he, so he's talking to him in Portuguese. One guy takes the camera, he drives off. Then my guy is like, we gotta go talk to the boss. And I'm like, the boss? So he's like, yeah, we gotta go talk to the boss, but it'd be fine. So we walk in, then the other motorcycle, they behind us, following us to make sure we go into the boss. So we go uh-huh. through this, this uh, alleyway, this narrow alleyway, we hang a right come out the alleyway, hang a left, and I can see the guy that took the camera on the motorcycle ahead, sitting under a tent, uh, talking to two guys sitting down. Then across the driveway to the right is like five guys holding AK-47s. Oh, and I'm man. like, damn. <laughs> so we go talk to the boss. So, I'm, so my guy is talking to the boss, and they're talking in Portuguese, and then he's like, he wanted to see the video. So I play the video, and then I'm looking like, what the hell? Like, what was the big deal? Because I didn't see nothing in the boss. He didn't see nothing. So he like stood up and said in English, good luck, have a good time. He, he said, I'm oh, sorry. He said, good luck, have a good time. And then um, then the guy that took the camera, he like dropped his head in shame. And then later on, my guy told me that the dude, he was like a new guy. So he was trying to like make a name for himself and be an extra. And then we, but he didn't speak any English. So when he like, heard me and the boss speaking in English, he was like, oh, snap, like, I might have messed up. Yeah. And then we had went on on the tour and, you know, and, and hung out the rest of the day. But it was just like, <laughs> I was, it was like City of God for real. Like, you know, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah, that would, I would have been scared shitless. <laughs> like, okay, do I take out a run? Do I, like, what do I do? Let's see, what's left on your travel bucket list? Antarctica. Oh, okay. I've never even thought about it. Yeah, I gotta get to the seventh continent. Yeah, the, the white continent. I need to get down to get that get there. Okay. You know, so, God God put us on earth. It's my responsibility to explore it. I right. Get, 
Yeah. And so is that the next place you're trying to travel to when Corona is done? Or I wouldn't say the next place, but it's still on the top of the list. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cause cause what I would do is you you fly down to Chile and then you take a cruise to uh, Antarctica. So um, you know, if, if if you know, like once Corona's over, like and everything's healthy, you know, yeah. safe, then I would um yeah, that's something that's like top of the list that I want to knock out. Okay. And so have you done any traveling during this time? No, just to Chicago. I went to Chicago twice for, for work. And then I, ju I just came back from Big Bear uh, yesterday, which is two hours east of L.A. in the mountains. So I went up there, went wakeboarding and uh, went hiking, did some uh, yoga on the, on the lake and then uh, some kayaking. So did some outdoor activities. And then I had uh, uh, stayed at this uh, getaway cabin. So it's like this place like kind of like in a remote area where you can where you supposed to unplug and, and get away mm -hmm. and so it's like 150 square feet like little trailer which has a bed a kitchen and a bathroom and it has a outdoor fire pit where you can like you know cook so i made i had a uh, saute some shrimp and kale over the over the open fire and stuff mm -hmm. and and you uh, know made the baked potato right on the flames so it was dope okay all right, sound like you was glamping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was. I, I haven't been glamping, but it was. Um, but I, I was on my out. I was on my um my outdoor kick. I was. I don't know who who's a who's an outdoor black person that historical figure. I don't know. Hmm. Mm, I might have to look that up. I might yeah. to look that up. We might have to create somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was. I was just saying. I was doing my worldwide Nate thing. Yeah. So what is one thing you can't like travel without regardless of the country or the city? Well, I would say the noise canceling headphones for when I'm on the plane. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, I have, I have service with T-Mobile. So I had unlimited, I have international, unlimited international data and texting. Mm -hmm. So that's something I can't like travel without because, you know, it allows me to stay connected because usually I would have to do the SIM card hustle when I would land. So that, those are like the two items where it's like, where, you know, I, I need, and I mean, I'm always have it, it's, you know, but, but that's what I cherish. So my, my service may not be the best when I'm in the States, yeah. but I hold on to it because when I, when I go somewhere out of the country, I'm always connected. Out of all the places you travel to besides Brazil, what is one of the places, the cities or countries that you would actually like live in that you would move, pack up, I'm done with the U.S., and this is my home now. Uh, that would be uh, Durban. Where is that? Durban, South Africa. Okay. It's in the state of KwaZulu Natal, the home of Shaka Zulu. I was about to say I've never heard of that. Wait, what? <laughs> Shaka Zulu. Yeah, so they, they call it a province, which we call states, and it's called KwaZulu Natal. And when you the airport name is King Shaka Zulu International Airport. That's what's up. I don't feel like I'm stepping into Wakanda for sure. All right, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm going. I'm going to see my people. I'm with the Zulus. Right. So yeah, Durban is my spot. Okay. And is it a, like a big city or? It's the third largest city in South Africa. So it's it's on the Indian Ocean side. So it's great surfing there. Um, it's super black. So it's kind of like like Chicago, like the south side of Chicago. It's all Zulus, and then it's just um, it's grittier, but it's just uh, I just I just love the Zulus and the Zulu culture, and it's just you just seeing all dark skinned black people, and they just 
they just in, in, in tune with their culture. So they speak in English and Zulu, and then there's some Osada live there and, and some Penda people. But it's just because um, South Africa has seven official languages, um, if, I'm, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, like, and, it, and it's just, they have palm trees there. So it's like, it has like a Miami feel, but it's still laid back like LA, but it's, it's a humid climate. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I love my Zulus. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that up because I've never been to Africa. That's on my bucket list as well. I mostly just traveled through Europe, um, Europe and Canada, but never been uh, to Africa or Asia actually. So I got a lot of traveling left to do. A lot of places on my bucket list. Got you. Um, let's see. What's the longest trip you've taken? And like how many countries did you see during that tour? Well, that was when I was filming my show. Um, so I was there for like eight weeks. And then uh, I filmed in South Africa, Lesotho, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Rwanda, and Congo. All right. And you have any like pet peeves when you travel? Like one of mine is, even when I'm just traveling to, um, you know, here in the U.S. and I travel with friends and they want to eat at the same restaurants and places that we can eat here in Atlanta. I, I like to try different foods and everything. So that's one of my pet peeves. Like you have to have the right people to travel with and the right friends. So what about you? Well, since you, since you brought up food, I would say the typical like spots to eat, like that's like one of my pet peeves. So when people like come to LA and they like, oh, I want to go to Nobu. And I'm like, uh. Right. Yeah. Or, or in Miami, like, oh, let's go to Prime 112. And I'm like, mm, okay. I yeah. would never go to Prime 112 again. Okay. Like, I'm so over that. The last time I went to Miami, sitting, you make a reservation, but you still sitting waiting for two hours. Then you got some basketball player, his big boob girlfriend <laughs> walk in and they get in before you. Like, it's like the club. It really is like the club. Oh, see, so yeah. I um, I'm glad I never done that. Yeah, yeah. There's so many more. It's all based on looks. Yeah, there's so many more delicious places, delectable places that you can dine at in Miami. So, you know, that's why it's good to you know tap into the local culture so you can know what people you know what the locals are doing because it's like people would never people that are from Miami would never go to Prime One Twelve, but they'll they'll show you some other places that are amazing. Absolutely. See, I'm on my rosé over here. Oh, rosé all day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> um, so there is a misconception that you really have to be rich in order to travel the world. Um, what do you think about that? And what would you tell somebody with that mindset? Well, it's about what you value. So for me, I never had like a brand new car or um, I never, uh, I don't have a closet full of like, like Gucci or, you know, like a lot of material things. So, cause I value more experiences. So it's, it's, just, it's perspective. So um, if you, you know, it, it depends on where you, you know, you put your money where you, where you desire and what you feel you put value into. So if you just look at your finances and, and you're not trying to like get a new wardrobe every summer or whatever, or just have a thousand, you know, a few, you know, a few that a closet full of shoes, and you can only wear one pair of shoes at a time, or a closet full of designer bags, you can only wear one bag at a time. You know, that's money that you can spend and invest in traveling. Right. And so it's all about perspective of where you uh, you you put your money. And then in addition to that, you know, there's always places that have you know travel deals and sales, etc. So it's it's all you know traveling the world is not it's it's a cost, but 
everybody is capable of affording to be able to do it if they uh, manage their money right. Yeah, because it's really all about the experience that you have and the memories, right, that you make and that's what it's about. So that's why I like to travel. Just, yeah, like you said, making new friends, going new places, immersing yourself in the culture. I'm here for it. So the next series of questions I want to I want to ask you, and then you say the first thing that comes to mind, maybe like in one word. So best food, pizza, <laughs> pizza, <laughs> Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> I would not have expected you to say that after traveling to sixty countries. <laughs> best sunset. Oh, uh, Rio. Okay. What about the most stylish city? Rome. I love Rome. Now, I could live in Rome. I love it. The people, the food, it was just amazing. Um, best place for adventure? Best place for adventure? Man, I would say, like, South Africa, the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, that's, that's, that's the beauty of the, of South Africa has a lot of adventure opportunities. Okay. And the best place to travel for couples. That I have visited. I, oh, I would say Sardinia, Italy. Oh, okay. Italy. Yeah. Can't go wrong in Italy. It's to travel alone. Alone, um, I would probably say um, I would say uh, Tokyo. Hmm. Really? Why? I know I said one word, but now I want to know why. <laughs> because because it's 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 um it's futuristic, and then a lot of people don't speak English, so it would just be it would be an adventure. Like you would be stimulated like twenty four seven, like because you would just have to like really find you know figure it out. You know, unless yeah. you run across some, some expats living there. But if you're trying to, you know, to get, get around Tokyo, it, but the, the quality of living is going to be so high. So the food is going to be amazing. The clothes are going to be, if you want to buy clothes and you can fit them because they are smaller people, mm-hmm. that the, the level of luxury or just craftsmanship is there. Um, so everything is going to be like high quality. So it's not like you're traveling and then you're just going to be frustrated because you're in these piss poor conditions or the food is terrible. So everything is just going to be, high quality it's just you know trying to get in law it'd be like the bill murray movie uh not bill murray i think it was bill murray but lost in translation yeah and you'll just be you'll be entertained but you'll be like what is going on but it's right. never gonna be a dull moment okay um the nicest people man the nicest people funny enough is in colorado now let me see if i agree colorado like so denver you think I mean, the whole state, like Colorado, Denver, Crested Butte, Vail, Breckenridge, um, Steamboat Springs. Like, as far as like Americans, like Colorado has the nicest people. Yeah, I mean, it's def- it's like a hippie town to me as well, or, or just a hippie place. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to do. You, you got, yeah. you know, all the outdoor stuff, but then just in the city of Denver and Colorado Springs, it, the people are very nice and relaxed and laid back. Yeah, I've I've had great experiences in Colorado. What about outside of the U.S.? Outside of the U.S., uh, 
Man, I had to think of the, the top place. Oh, oh, the Bahamas. Mm, yeah. The Bahamas. The Bahamian people are super nice. Yeah, I agree. I think all the people, like, yeah, in Jamaica and all of that, they, they are very nice, all of the island people. Um, okay. So let's talk about your swimwear line, the first Black-owned surfer swimwear brand. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah, Kavada Swimwear. So I'm excited about about launching Kavada because, um, for one, I want to always encourage Black folks to live the aquatic lifestyle. I've uh, been swimming since I was five years old, so it wasn't until my 20s I found out like that Black people don't know how to swim, and it was just it still <laughs> baffles me because everybody I grew up was grew up around was Black, and we swimmed every day. I don't know how to swim, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just like when I meet, when I'm like, what? Like every day growing up was like, we going to the pool and we were swimming. And we, I mean, we would play games where we had a, the deep end was 12 feet deep and we would like go to the bottom of the pool and see who could hold their breath the longest. Like that, that's the stuff we did growing up. So, um, so you know, I, I scuba dive, I surf, I stand up paddleboard. So I do a lot of, you know, I enjoy being in the water. And so I just, you know, just changing the narrative and giving and then adding diversity to the sport of surfing with uh, with the swimwear line. And also Kavada is my sister's middle name. Her name is Lainey Kavada Llewellyn. But uh, in 2009, unfortunately, she passed away from triple negative breast cancer. Mm, and so thank you. So with each sale, 10% of the sales goes towards her foundation, Lainey Llewellyn Charities, which raises funds for triple negative breast cancer, which is what she passed away from and also um, supports newly diagnosed patients. Okay. So uh, I wanted to uh, use this opportunity, put, use a surfwear line to, to honor her and also bring awareness to triple negative breast cancer. So in essence, when purchasing a, 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 a swimwear product that we are selling, you are investing in saving black and Hispanic women's lives, which the um, triple negative breast cancer disproportionately affects um, is an aggressive tumor that disproportionately affects Black and Hispanic women uh, compared to their white counterparts. So it's triple negative because there's three major treatments uh, to treat the breast cancer, but once all three of those fail, it's classified as triple negative. Mm, okay. And so it can, it's because uh, my sister was diagnosed at 35 and she passed away at 39. And with um, insurance, like your insurance doesn't cover mammograms until women are 40. Right. So it's about educating, um, you know, women to uh, be able to self-examine themselves and knowing that they do feel a lump to immediately call a doctor. But when they call a doctor, let them know that they have felt a lump because with my sister, we, we didn't have any um, breast cancer history. Mm -hmm. And so she, um, so she called and made an appointment, but they scheduled it three months later. But oh. at that moment, she should have said that she had a lump and then they would have got her in sooner because by the time she did go see the doctor, it metastasized into uh, the size of like a, a orange. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it was, it was that aggressive the way it accelerated in, in just like three months. Wow. Okay. And so you said a portion of the profits go back to, what was the charity name again? Uh, Lyony Flew Ellen Charity. So Lyony is spelled L-A-I-N-I. -I. And uh, my last name, our last name, Flew Ellen is spelled F. L U E L L E N. Okay. And so are there many um, you know, black, you know, and, and what's the what's the black surfing community like? 
Um, and maybe, you know, that's what also helped motivate you, right? Because you love surfing and you want to get diversity into to surfing. Yeah, the, the, the chocolate tide is rising. Okay. <laughs> so we are out here. Yes, we it are is. Out here. <laughs> the chocolate yeah, tide, so, I like that. <laughs> yeah, the chocolate tide is rising. So we, there's organizations like Black, Black Dot Surfers on um, Instagram that uh is like a community of black surfers that live that live around the world um then um in here in la my friend david marlana he started uh color the water mm -hmm. so he's uh giving free lessons to people of color to give people more access to the water so i met him probably like at the beginning of june and now uh you know i guess i think i was like the first person to, to sign up and now it's grown about by about 60 people Okay. And it's pretty cool because he's, he does uh, lessons like in the morning and afternoon, and he's uh it's been a it's been a great community where we go out and surf and you know we cheering each other on people catching waves and you know it's beautiful because um you know when I tell people I surf it's like oh we're surfing now so it's just like that right. that permission and that access so it's beautiful to see that people could come out here. Uh, and then and be tap into this community and feel safe to where they don't have to worry about the expense because we have surfboards, we have wetsuits, and people could just come and, and just be willing to learn, and then they end up catching waves. Okay. And so, um, so it's exciting, and that's that's like one of the the roles that grew through concrete with COVID is that you know he's usually traveling around the world teaching uh, media literacy, but because of COVID, he's he's back here grounded, and then he's been able to he's been he's been inspired to to be able to start this organization okay. and um it, it's been great to be able to support him and helping it helping it grow and other people have joined on to help the organization grow so um yeah you know you know people people uh we we are out here surfing okay. we are out here growing that's what's up maybe i'll learn how to swim one day and <laughs> come out to LA and surf yeah we'll be waiting for you <laughs> Um, so where can people purchase Kavata swimwear? At Kavata, K-A-V-A-T-A, swim.com. All so right. So Kavata, Laini and Kavata, they are Swahili names. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. It was great having you on, learning about you and how you live your best life. So thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. You too. That's the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. And shout out to Nate again for coming through and blessing us with all this knowledge about traveling and also giving us inspiration to travel. I'm definitely inspired to make sure I hit every continent before I leave this earth. Um, so make sure that you share, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast. And have a great Labor Day weekend. Bye.